You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. All right. Lots happening at Westside. Tyler, why don't you come on up? So uh, this morning I shared that uh, the, the scriptures in Proverbs uh, were told that there's a, uh, a friend that sticks closer to a brother. And it's, it, what did I say? To a brother? To a brother. Closer than a brother. Closer than a brother. Well, we are close. And it's, it's my privilege to be able to bring my friend up here and, and pray for him this morning. So, Lord, I just uh, thank you for Tyler I just thank you that you've called him to be your son, that you have said, I am proud of you, and that you are using him in mighty ways to advance your kingdom and to take down dark forces. Jesus, I just pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would just fall upon him once again, filling him to overflowing, pressed down, shaking, so that your words will be given to us so that we can be changed, so that we can be better, so we can be more equipped to take ground for you, Jesus. Open our hearts and our minds to what you're doing through Tyler this morning, Jesus. Bless him. Thank you, Jesus, for Tyler. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Uh, If you're visiting with us, a warm West Side welcome this morning. Um, Steve and Terry, uh, they lead this church here. Uh, He's the lead elder on our team, and they uh, are privileged to have a couple weeks off on vacation with some of their grandkids, just having fun. Um, They're going to be back Tuesday. So keep them in your, in your prayers on their, on their travels. And Steve's actually preaching at One Life Church in Texas this morning, which is his son's church. So um, this, is, this has been a good time for them to, to be restored and, and rejuvenated and refreshed in the Lord. Uh, so just keep them in your prayers. Um, so I get the privilege of speaking this morning. We are in our series on Romans. Uh, it's been a, a challenging series, I think, to all of us on pursuing God and, and making peace with Him in our hearts and, and uh, our calling for Him. And so I'm, I'm speaking this morning. You could turn with me to Romans 3, verse 1. We're going to start there, but I need to kind of set the stage for what, what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, Mark did a great job last week talking about the end of chapter 2, where he's talking about where Paul's addressing the Jews and the law. So <clears throat> basically... Paul comes to this, he draws this conclusion for them that even if they've heard and had this law all their lives, but not followed it, that they're not, they're actually worse off than the Gentiles who didn't have this law, but turned to God with their hearts. So this is an, this is a big deal uh, for the, for the Jews in Rome when they're hearing this. Uh, It challenges their belief system. It challenges their their inheritance, it challenges their, their, uh, their background, who they are as a people. It, cha- it brings a, a challenge to the, their core. And Paul is, is addressing some issues there. The, the, the Jews are trying to, the Jewish converts are trying to force the Gentile converts to become circumcised because these physical things that we do are what make us right with God. And Paul says, that's not it. That's not it. Those of you who are circumcised in your heart, who have turned and opened yourself to the one true God, are the ones who are made right. Not because you've kept the law. So he's, he's addressing this, these things. And so as a Jew, Paul, Paul can see that they're forming questions in their minds. And you see this much with Jesus when he's uh, preaching 
and he addresses questions the Pharisees had before they even say them, right? They, always, they start thinking these questions, and, and Jesus would address these questions. So Paul is doing something similar. He's addressing questions to the Jews that they're, that they're having in their minds, and Paul knows because he is also a Jew. So if you would start off with me in verse 1, we're going to get into the word this morning. <clears throat> so Paul writes, Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean that God will be unfaithful? Of course not, he says. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. But some might say that our sinfulness serves a good purpose, for it helps people to see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? And he says that this is a mere, uh, uh, merely a human point of view. Isn't it unfair that God punish us if we bring glory to him? human perspective. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? But someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? And then he writes, And some people even slander us by claiming that we say the more we sin, the better it is. And to those who say, those who say such things deserve to be condemned. So Paul has a heavy, heavy message to the Jewish converts in Rome. It's not a light thing that he's telling them. And then it's not a light thing that he's challenging their, their inheritance. And so... My first point, and Paul's first question, he asks a series of questions and answers. Uh, And the first question that he asks is, then what's the advantage of being a Jew? If I'm no better off than those who don't have the law that God gave us, if I'm no better off as a chosen people, God's chosen people, then what's the advantage What's the advantage of being a part of the lineage of Abraham? And Paul says, there are great benefits. Yes, there are great benefits. And he says, first of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. So this is first benefit. He doesn't address other benefits in this passage, but he, th- this is the first benefit is that they have been trusted with the whole revelation of God. And what that means, uh, ESV says the whole, the oracle of God, and the Hebrew word for oracle is debar, which means word. So if you put that in context, they've been trusted with the whole word of God. Now, I feel like that's a great benefit. I feel like that's probably the biggest benefit besides the death, resurrection the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Christ is the word of God with us. 
and they were entrusted with the whole word of God. There is great benefit for them. There's great benefit. And then Paul goes into, so some are faithful, but does that mean God will be unfaithful? And he says, true, some of them were unfaithful, but just because of they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. God is faithful and true no matter what. And Psalms 119.90 says, Your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. He is faithful. Now, he is so faithful. We can look at the lives of the Israelites, and, and we see that they are God's chosen people and the things that he's bringing them through and then in, into. And so we, you know, we think of these stories, and it's a, it's a nice story. God's giving them a promised land. He's giving them an inheritance. They are his chosen people. But if you look closely at the Israelites, they had many times, many times, where they lose their faith in God and they turn away from him. You, they, they see miracle after miracle when they're being delivered out of Egypt into the, the wilderness so that they can make their way to the promised land. And they lose their faith. They see the waters part on two walls of water, and they're walking through on dry land, led by a pillar of cloud by, by day and a pillar of fire by night with the provision of the Lord to sustain them, and they lose sight in this. They lose it. They, Moses goes up, and he come, he's coming down with the tablets, with the Ten Commandments, and he comes down, and they hear a ruckus down at camp. They think there's a war. They think, and he goes, that's singing. That's singing. And they come down, and they've made Aaron create this golden calf as an idol, and they're worshiping, and they're, they're giving themselves into things that they shouldn't be. They've lost sight, they've lost faith in what God has for them because they've been wandering in the desert and they lose it. But God has promised this thing to them. Then you see them, uh, God tells Moses to send 12 spies into the land and spy out the land. And they come back with these reports. This land is great. This is a perfect place. It's like you got Starbucks over here and Barnes and Noble over here and all these awesome places that we all love to go. You got land flowing with milk and honey. And I tried to picture this, like rivers of milk and honey flowing. It's a fruitful land. It's fruitful. They can, they can raise their, their herds there. They, the, the land is plentiful. There's grapes that they carry between two guys on vines because it's so big of fruit, so full of fruit. And they lose faith. They come back and they give the report. It's great but we can't take it because there's giants in the land and we're mere crickets and they're going to squash us and the land's going to swallow us whole. This land is going to swallow us whole. The land God promised to our people is going to devour us. <laughs> and God, he, he does punish them for their lack of faith. 
He does punish them, but he forgives them as a people. And then Joshua gets to take them into this land later. It's about 37 years later. So I don't know about you guys, but if we reflect on our lives, when challenging times test our faith, we can tend to do the same thing. We tend to lose our hope in who, what he's said, what he's spoken over us, and who he is, because he is faithful. And we tend to forget that he's faithful. When you lose your job and you don't know how you're going to make your rent or your mortgage, you lose, we lose faith. Why did you take this job from me, God? Why, did I, why are you not providing for me? When our kids get sick and we have to take them to the hospital and we don't know what's wrong, do we lose faith that God is good? That he is faithful and he is just and he is merciful? And do we start putting our hope in the doctors and in what we can do? Or do we keep our faith fixed in the creator of the heavens and the earth who is good and he is God? We tend to, when these things come, forget who we belong to. And so... He's addressing this thing that God is faithful. God is faithful to you as a people, to, these, to the Jews there in Rome. And then number three, he addresses the third question. But some might say our faithfulness serves a good purpose, or our sinfulness serves a good purpose. For it helps people to see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? Of course not. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? I look at this, I get a little picture when I was reading this. I got a little picture of my son, who's two and a half, and he's starting to act more and more like me in some of his thinking and some of his actions. And I get this little picture of him, because he's going to talk to me like I, like I think. And I get this little picture of, well, Dad, you can't really punish me because this is just going to show everyone else how good of a parent you are. <laughs> That's what we're saying. To, is it fair that you punish me? Because this shows how good of a father you are. It shows how faithful you are. It shows how forgiving you are and how much love you have for your children. Is it fair that you punish me for what I've done that's wrong? Like, yes. Yes, it's fair. Son, you, you broke the window. On, you know, on purpose or whatever it is. You lied. You lied. Yes, it's fair that I punish you. Yes, it'll show how loving I am when I restore you. But it's fair that I punish you because God is fair. Um, I, uh, Steve showed us this video called Evolution vs. God. And it's uh, by this guy named Ray Comfort, and he's, a, he's an evangelist, and he's, he's a, a very, uh, very strong theologian and he, very well-read in himself. And he's going on to, I think that it was UCLA campus, and he's addressing professors, four different professors and students, and he's debating with them. I love this video so much, I showed it at youth, and we talked about evolution and, and creation, and it was, a, it was a really, it's a really good message in that. So... I'm not actually talking about that, but you guys can go look it up if you want. It's called Evolution vs. God by Ray Comfort. Um, but he starts to 
debate with these professors and these students, kind of posing the questions to doubt their beliefs. Why do you believe this when there's so little evidence? That's, that's kind of just how he's doing this thing. And these guys, are, these, they're thought, they're uh, intelligent people. So with intelligent people, you need to speak to their intelligence as well as their heart. And so at, towards the middle end of the video, he doesn't just address creation and evolution. He addresses their heart. And he's evangelizing and preaching the gospel to them. But he poses a couple questions, and he says, um, what do you call someone who makes a pattern of lying, who has a pattern of lying? A liar. If someone lies, they are a liar. And he says, um, so he goes and says, he asks them three different questions. He says, have you ever lied? Well, yeah, I've lied. So he says, then what does that make you? A liar. If we've lied, we are a liar. Doesn't matter if we've lied once. Doesn't matter if we've lied a hundred times. If we've lied, God sees us as a liar in our heart, right? And then he says, if you, have you ever looked on someone with lust? Well, they say, well, they're very embarrassed of this. Well, yeah. Okay, then that makes you an adulterer. He says, have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever stolen anything? Well, yeah. Then that makes you a thief. And he says, this is only three of the ten commandments. And you've broken all three. And what he's, what he's exposing is their sinful nature at heart. He's exposing them they're sinful. And then he tells them, you need God to make you right. So uh, I remember as a kid, I, we were doing fundraisers for school. And as everyone knows, UNICEF, it's a, it's a fundraiser that you collect money and it buys certain things in third world countries to help alleviate need. And I'm looking at the back of this box and I remember, man, if I collect 50 bucks, I can buy like a, a well for a little village or something. And I'm like, I need $50. I need to raise this $50 like today, like right now. So I go into my, and dad had this big like five gallon water jug, right? In by the side of his bed. All my life he had that there. And every day he'd put change in it. And so I go in there, I'm like looking at this jug going, that's a lot of coins in there. So I, I spill it out on the bed, I pour it all out and I start counting out $50. And I put it all in the box and I, you know, I put it away. And my dad comes home later and he, he, he comes and he talks to me. He goes, hey, how'd you, how'd you get so much money in this box? Like, mm, I got it out of your change jar. Like, you got it out of my change jar without asking? Well, yeah, yeah, I did. Well, how much did you take? Oh, that's a lot of money. I took $50. My dad was so mad at me. But, I mean, you can look at it as a parent like, they did something wrong with good intentions, but it's still something wrong. It's still something wrong. So, we're sinners. We're sinners at heart. Even when we're trying to do good in our own, we're sinners. I mean, <laughs> I just see Eli one day. Um, so paul kind of starts to sum this thing up in romans uh, in 3 9 he says well then should we conclude that we jews are better than others no not at all for we have already shown that all people whether jew or gentile are under 
the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one, not even one, except for the one, which is Jesus. And so Paul kind of is summing up this whole chapter, two and, and then coming into three, and he's summing it all up that we are all sinful people. Whether you tried to follow the law and tried to make yourself right with God in your own effort, or whether you never knew the law and God opened himself up to you in your heart and you were circumcised of heart, we're all sinners until God changes our hearts. And he forgives us and he washes us with his forgiveness. We're born into sin. And David writes in Psalms 51, 1 through 7. You can turn with me there if you have your Bibles. In verse 1, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt and purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight, and you will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me. He, he is, has the right to judge us for our sins. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty in the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. David knows that we're sinners at heart from the time we're born, from the time we're conceived, we're sinful at heart. And only God can make us clean with him and make us right in his sight. That's what righteous means. We, are, we have right standing with God. And only through our, his adjustment in our heart to look to him and seek him and to accept who he is as our savior. And then later in Romans 3, Paul, Paul writes in verse 21 and 22, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, we're made right by our faith in him alone. Amen? That's, so, that's such good news. That's such good news because we can't keep the requirements of the law. We can't make ourselves right with God, but only by faith in him can we be made right. Amen? So I'm trying to, as I'm reading this, I'm trying to figure out how to apply this to us. Most of us are not uh, Jews by inheritance. Most of us are not Jews by inheritance. So how does this apply? Because he's addressing Jews, but he's also addressing sinners. He's addressing sinners. So as sinners, we make ourselves right with God, by, not by what we do, but only by putting our faith in him. So as Christians, I'm looking at what's the benefit. If he's saying there is benefit of being a Jew, what's the benefit now of being grafted into his family as a Christ follower? What's the benefit for us? And there is, because he says there are great benefits. First of all, you were entrusted with the oracle of God, the word of God. We have the Bible, we have his word. And 
this word is perfect. It's perfect. And we have it that God inspired and breathed out life into this book. And this is what we have trouble doing. We have trouble opening his word. We let it sit and collect dust. We, when we do read it, we're rushed to get our day started. And we have his word right before us. We, we say, how do I hear God's voice? How do, I, how, do I, how do I hear what he's leading me to do? How do I know what he's calling me to? <laughs> yes, he speaks to us, but he has given us his word so that we know what he's saying. He's given it to us so that we can live our lives by this, these principles and make our, make our hearts in line with what he has for us. And we have a hard time even getting into it. I just, I'm gonna, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a desire for your word. I pray that you would give us a hunger after you and after your word to lead us and guide us. Lord, give us more, a bigger measure of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so we have his word. The second, the second part of his word is we are now, as, when we accept Christ, when we come to church, this is the benefit of church, is we are in a, a culture that's led by God's word and his spirit, by other believers who are in tune with him as well. Other believers who can spur us along when we're having a hard time just going about our lives, going to work, raising our kids, spur us along and encourage and speak truth and life to us. And when we're getting off track, people who can see in wisdom and say, hey, just come on right on back right here. Just come right in back in line with what God's called you to. We have the benefit of being amongst a people who are led by Christ. There's great benefit for being a Christ follower. The second benefit that I see in, as a parent is that I get to, I, I wasn't raised a Christian. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. My parents had gone to church really when they were little. My dad went to, to the Catholic church when he was really little. But I, was ne- I never, my parents didn't pray. My parents didn't read the word. They didn't, they didn't uh, encourage me with scripture my whole life until this thing happened and drew me to him. But as a parent and as a Christian, I get the privilege of raising my children, my son and daughter in a home not a house that's of Christ, but the people in it are of Christ. I get to lead my kids in prayer when they come home from school hurt because of what someone says and encourage them that they can be a light speaking truth into their school and encourage them that God has chosen them. He has put them in this time and place and he has ordained their their path. I can... I have the privilege of when they get sick, not just giving them Tylenol or Advil to help them, but laying hands on and praying for my children to get better. And they see these patterns and examples from a young, young age. It's such a benefit to be able to grow up with parents who love God. And now, 
I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. We've, we've missed the mark, and we still miss the mark, even though we're trying to love God. We sometimes get angry at our kids and, and show them a bad example. Or, but we, God's given us opportunities every day to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk firmly in where you've called me. I'm going to raise my kids the way that you've called me to, and I'm going to go humbly before you on my knees asking that you give me wisdom in my kids' lives in the things that I can intercede on their behalf. And we can change it right now. Even if we make mistakes this morning coming here, we can change it right now. If we've sinned against our kids, we can ask for their forgiveness and we can turn and make our path straight. So don't feel bad if we've missed the mark because we all miss the mark. That's the point of this whole message this morning. We miss the mark. So we get to raise our kids in a godly home. Then he addresses the issue of, doesn't my sin just bring more glory to God? So I'm going to say, it does, and we're not called to just sin so that we bring more glory to God, but it does bring him glory when people see his forgiveness. But how much more glory does it bring him when we're walking in righteousness, when we're walking a right path? So yes, we sin, but don't flaunt our freedom in Christ. Don't flaunt it to others like, oh yeah, you know, I can go... I can go party with, some guys, with the guys after work, but, you know, it's not really that big of a deal because God forgives me. Don't flaunt our freedom. Don't make other people have a, a bitter taste in their mouth for the gospel because we're the ones representing Christ and we're not doing it well enough. And yes, again, we miss the mark and we make mistakes, but we can ask God and start over right now. We start fresh right now. Lord, help me to be that example in my workplace. Help me to be that example in my school. Help me to be that example as I teach a class. Help me to be that example to my kids and my family who don't know you. Even if your kids are grown, help me to be an example to my kids who don't know you. It's not too late to to shine a light for Christ and walk the straight and narrow path that he's called us to. Amen. And so the last thing is my last point that I really want to take away from from today's let's live a life worthy of his calling to bring glory and honor to him let's live a life worthy and it's not in our strength it's not by following the commands that that were set for for us but it's by making our our hearts right with god and trying to follow him to our best to our strongest repenting when we mess up turning from our wickedness and looking to Jesus on the cross and what he did for us. And the forgiveness, yes, it's great. It's great that he forgave us. Amen? So I'm going to pray for us and invite the worship team to come up and lead us into our last song. But I want to pray for this, this word this morning. So Lord, we, I just I thank you that, that you are good and you are God. I thank you that it's not made, we're not made right by what we do because we are all sinful and we miss it. And we make mistakes. Lord, I thank you that you made a way for us. I thank you that you sent your son to live and die and rise again in our place. Lord, you are so good and faithful. And we just, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live a life worthy of the the call that you have on us. I pray that we would go and make disciples of all nations. I pray that we would speak your love and truth to others. Lord, I pray that we would be a light in the darkness in our workplace. 
in the day-to-day, in the mundane. When we're in the grocery store, I pray that you would give us words for people. I pray that you would speak life through us to those who don't know you and don't yet have eternal life with you. Lord, use us. In Jesus' name, amen.